Good morning, Life Church Livonia. My name is Kate. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so excited to be in week five of our A New Way to Be Human series. We have seven weeks left, so make sure to invite your friends, your family, share this link with someone, because the whole reason why we're doing this is so that we can figure out a new way to be human. This world is complicated and messy, and oftentimes we think that we know what the right way of engaging is when the reality is that we need to turn to scripture, we need to turn to the Lord to figure out what it is to be human in this really broken world. Alex and Senior and Bob have done such a great uh, work in sharing God's truth with us and unpacking the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And today I get to jump into Matthew 5 verses 21 through 26 to talk a little bit more and unpack the text a little bit more today. But before we do that, I would like to ask a question. How many of you, and I'd like you to raise your digital hand or comment with the peace sign, if you personally shy away from conflict, if something comes up, you are just like, not for me. I'm just going to go over here. I'd prefer some peace. No, thank you. I'm going to keep moving. Now, um, you can put your hands down or, um, you know, just hang out now. Now, for those of you who are sitting over there watching this service right now, and you are like, I am ready to brawl today. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not the real question. The real question is, if you do not shy away from conflict, if you are ready to engage right now in um, crucial conversations or something comes up, you are like, I am ready to deal with this right now. What do we have to do? Go ahead and comment the arm, you know, the arm muscle guy. Um, Personally, that's me. I'm like, I'm ready. Let's just talk about it. There might possibly be an issue here. Let's discuss it immediately. I don't know. There's something in me that just like loves that. I hope that I'm not alone. Go ahead and comment in the comment section. Let me know I'm not alone. Uh, I'm just ready to deal with the things. Now, we all have relationships in our lives. We all have relationships that have ended. I mean, at least I know that I have. I have had relationships that have ended well, and I have relationships that have ended poorly. I've engaged in conflict that has gone awry, where there has been name calling and um, hurtful things have been said about character, uh, decimating one another, and it's just not productive. It's not honoring to God. But Jesus's road to reconciliation here in the scripture, we see he's going to help us understand things about like murder and name calling. What's up with that? Let's jump in. We're going to jump into Matthew 5 verses 21 through 26. It says, you have heard the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. While I was reading and studying this text, my main takeaway was that God cares about reconciliation. That is the big picture. So write that down. God cares about reconciliation. He cares about the way that we engage with one another. And he cares about what's going on inside of our hearts. 
to God, reconciliation, it's about unity. It's about unity in our relationships. It's about unity in the church. And it's about unity in our own hearts. Reconciliation is internal transformation. And God desires internal transformation for us. In this series that we are hosting as a church, Jesus is giving us a new way to be human. We're figuring out a new way to be human in a world that doesn't make sense. In a world that tries to tell us that our way, that we have our own truth and that we need to live into that. And the, and the reality is that God's word, Jesus himself, has a new way for us, a way that is unifying and loving and also holds us accountable to our actions. We might think that some things that we do are the best way. When I started off just a few minutes ago, I asked you guys what your conflict resolution style was. Is it to engage right away or is it to avoid it a little bit? And God actually has a truth about what the best way of dealing with conflict is. In, in regards to us as believers, we don't get to just decide what the right thing for ourselves to do is. We are committed as Christians to trusting God and directing us in how to do that. And he gave us scripture to help guide us, to show us what it is to do that really. So what I'm going to do today is we're going to just talk right through the text. So Matthew 5 verses 21 through 26. Verse 21, it says, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. So right here, what we see in the first line is that the ancients were told. The ancients are the Israelites. And we know that because Jesus is quoting the Ten Commandments. And we know that the commandments were given to them, the Israelites. So they were given these Ten Commandments as a guide for how to live. And Jesus, as he stated in the scriptures, that he has come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to bring it to fruition, to, to, to take it deeper. As Alex said last week in his sermon, that Jesus is simply increasing a deeper connection to these already existing commandments. So Jesus continues in verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Now, everyone who's angry with his brother, I mean, come on, how many of you uh, were angry when you went to bed last night? You were angry about uh, something at work that you just have this anger. Well, that's not really the anger that Jesus is talking about here. And personally, I have had some concerns as reading scripture because I'm like, ugh, I kind of struggle with anger a little bit. I'm often angry. Um, also, kind of because, you know, um, Hulk in, uh, I can't remember which movie it was, but you know the, the um, uh, one of the superhero movies with Hulk, and he's like, the, my, my secret, you know, he's like, he said, I'm always angry, and then he turns into Hulk, and he like runs down the street, and he's like, turns right into Hulk, right? That feels a little bit true for me. I'm like, always super angry. Anyway, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point here is that the anger that Jesus is talking about, he's not talking about that anger that pops up quickly and fizzles out. Uh, that in scripture is known as thumos. He's talking about the kind of anger that you work hard to maintain. Some of you might actually really know right away what I'm talking about. It's when you have a problem with someone and you nurse that grudge. That kind of anger is called orge. It's a long-lived anger. 
And it's this anger where you can retell the story over and over again. And it's almost as if that circumstance, that fight, that conflict, that it's happening right in that moment. It's that long lasting anger that just causes a fire in your gut when you think about it or when you talk about it. So an interesting story that came up for me while I was reading the scripture and studying it and, you know, wrestling with it, trying to come up with, um, uh, how to unpack it with you this weekend. <clears throat> this comparison to thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not be angry with his brother. So it made me think of this one time. It, um, it was a Monday, right? And I like to go grocery shopping on a Monday. So I'm like at the, this is a while ago. I was at the grocery store on a Monday going through my Kroger coupons. You know, the ones that they send you that are like, I'll, you know, just exactly what you buy from the grocery store. And you're like, oh my gosh, how do they know everything about me? Algorithms, you guys, algorithms. They know everything about us, which is really beneficial because it saves me money. Anyway, I'm in the grocery store on a Monday. I go through the appropriate way, you know, through the produce on the outside of the um, grocery store because that's the right way to grocery shop. And then you go down the single aisles that you know have the stuff so you don't buy anything that you don't need. Anyway, it's Monday, my day off. I'm enjoying my day. My cart is full of groceries. I am very pleased. I'm glancing down at my coupons and I look up and lo and behold is this person. You know that person, the one that you don't talk to anymore, the one who is non-existent in your life that you for sure no longer have relationship with because there was a huge conflict and it's unresolved and you don't see them anymore. They're not in your life. I saw this person in the grocery store, this person who I was like, and I'm done. I actually hate grocery shopping and don't need any of this stuff. And I ran, I left my cart where it was. I ran out of the grocery store and was like, this grocery store is dead to me. I no longer come here. You guys know, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. You ever done that before? Hopefully I'm not alone in that and that other people have also done that. It was terrible. It was a terrible feeling. It was terrifying, really. And the, the interesting relation here is that I considered that person dead to me. So that when I saw them, I was so caught off guard because it was almost like I saw a dead person. And that's what we're talking about here. This, this unsettled kind of feeling. This is what the Lord is coaching us away from. He doesn't want us to live with that feeling, that unsettled, terrified feeling. The Lord desires for us to have peace in our lives. He desires for us to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. God desires for us to have unity in our lives. God's new way to be human is that when we run into someone that we have had conflict with, when we're knocked off our rocker, that our rock is the Lord and we have security in him. The scripture goes on here and it says, whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. The idea in this verse, it's about slandering a brother or a sister, talking with contempt about a brother and a sister. That's like murder in our hearts, you guys. You have heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, anger in your heart is the same root problem. That is what Jesus cares about, you guys. He cares about the root issue of what is going on in our lives. Jesus is after more than external compliance. 
He cares about us being free from the anger that traps us. The text continues, verse 23. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. This part of the text was really complicated for me to start with until I really started to sit with it and understand it. Um, And it's something that I feel really strongly about because I have done a ton of work surrounding my own codependency. I really wanted to understand what this text had to say because how I originally read it was like, I need to make sure that my brother isn't mad at me, that my sister is doing okay, that everyone is well cared for and there is nothing going on. Because I hear it like, oh no, are they mad at me? Did I hurt their feelings? Is everybody okay? And I so often struggle with feeling responsible for things that are not mine to be responsible for. But that's not what's going on in the scripture verse. If you are presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, it's not indicating that you need to guess about whether or not your brother has something against you. Okay, this is like you are at a family dinner or a friend dinner where you've got a ton of people there and there is a sharp disagreement. You get loud, food gets thrown against the wall. There, it is like clear that you guys have had a disagreement and you leave that dinner without resolving it, okay? You know that something is unresolved there. You don't have to guess, you don't have to wonder because people are responsible for coming forth. If they have something uh, that you hurt their feelings or that there is an issue, everyone has their own responsibility in this. And as far as it depends on you, you need to make sure that you are being right before God, you're being right to the Lord, and you're being right with your brother and sister in Christ. Unity, God cares about that, but you don't have to guess about it. If there is a conflict and you remember that your brother has something against you, that means you know that there is an unresolved conflict in your life. You need to seek reconciliation. Make sure, as far as it depends on you, that you are making sure to seek unity and reconciliation, okay? Handle your side of the street. Apologize for the things that you've done wrong. And this is hard. No excuses, no disclaimers, just I was wrong to do that. I'm so sorry. And that is really hard to do. I really struggle at it. I am just recently learning how to actually apologize with no explanation surrounding it, no defense. The text continues, verse 25, make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you're with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of here until you've paid up the last cent. Here's the thing, you guys. God cares deeply about the breaks in our relationships. God cares about his children getting along. A break that we have in relationship with one another is a break in relationship with God. There comes a point where it's going to be too late to deal with some of, um, some of the conflicts in your life. And some of you, you might be experiencing that right now. You may have an undealt with conflict with somebody who's passed away. And that is a really difficult place to be. But it's not too late. Being reconciled to a person and being reconciled to God is something that you can still experience today, even if the person is gone. Reconciliation, it's about dealing with that root issue. And God is able to help you. Your church community, your small group, we are here to support one another in seeking reconciliation. 
It's a harsh and difficult reality that at some point it's too late. And honestly, quite frankly, I don't like to think about it and I don't like to talk about it, but it's real. There will be consequences if we don't deal with the bitterness and unforgiveness that we have going on in our lives. It affects and permeates other relationships. It affects the way that we show up at meetings. And it doesn't have to be that way, but it's real. When we have something that has happened in our lives, whether that's conflict in church, small group, work, whatever it is, we need to make sure that we are being honest in that interaction and that we are seeking to honor the Lord and his people because we are made in his image. You, you are made in his image. Eloisa, Mark, Julie, Lindsay, you are made in his image. And so is your enemy. So is that person who you have such a hard time getting along with, reconciling with. They are made in his image as well. We, we are called to deal with unresolved conflicts as far as it depends on us. And we must seek to be unified and reconciled to one another. Something that I am also really passionate about is uh, kind of when I first accepted Jesus, I didn't hear a ton of messages about this, but this idea of abuse and unhealthy relationships and people who aren't willing to change. What does reconciliation look like then? Sometimes we aren't able to stay in relationship with people and honestly, that's okay. Reconciliation does not always mean maintaining a relationship. Reconciliation is still required. Owning our part in an unhealthy relationship is required. Forgiveness, still required. Continuing relationship, not always required. It just means that when you run into that person like I did at the grocery store, that you don't abandon ship, lose your mind, have all sorts of internal anxiety and fear and just like, yeah, don't know what to do with yourself. That that feeling doesn't exist because that feeling, it's not from the Lord. In Acts 15, um, we see that Paul and Barnabas, um, they have this sharp disagreement. Okay, they're on mission together. They're serving the Lord. They are sharing the gospel. And in, in chapter 15 of Acts, we actually see them have this sharp disagreement about whether John Mark should continue to be or be included in the mission. And they actually have such a sharp disagreement that they go two separate ways on mission. Okay. And the point of that, we don't know the exact details of what was going on or what happened or whether it was healthy or unhealthy. But what I see in the scripture is that they didn't allow their disagreement to pull them out of mission. They continued to share the gospel. They continued to share about the hope of Jesus. They separated. They stopped being in relationship and that is okay. But they continued to, to pursue the Lord and to pursue sharing about the hope of Jesus. And that's what we do. We don't allow disagreements or confrontations uh, to lead to bitterness and unhealth. We continue on mission. And so I just want to encourage you guys. I mean, even because later Paul actually writes and he says um, in 2 Timothy, he says, uh, go get Mark and bring him over here because actually he's going to be useful for me on mission again, <laughs> which is like such a Paul way of handling it. But anyway. 
So this tells me that while Paul and Barnabas weren't able to stay in relationship immediately, they were still able to be right before the Lord and, and they were able to place mission above personal preferences. Now, I would love for you to consider in your lives, how do you handle conflict? How do you handle conflict in your relationships, uh, whether it's at work or at home, whether it's with friends? Reconciliation is not easy. Conflict, it's messy and it's subjective. And it's often a lonely place where we experience anger and, and hurt and shame. And, and honestly, if you're struggling to know what to do with that conflict, with that relationship, with that issue, come and talk to me. Come and talk to Alex or Bettina or somebody in your small group. I want to encourage you guys, allow other people into your life to help you process how to identify reconciliation. This isn't to talk about the other person. This is to identify what is going on inside of you so that you can deal with the root issue inside of your heart. And above that, I'd like to invite you, if you don't know Jesus, if you have known Jesus and walked away from him, I wanna invite you to consider inviting him back into your life, inviting him into uh, the conflicts that you're having. Because the true reconciliation happens when we are reconciled to the Lord. And the way that we do that is by accepting that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And the only way that we can have reconciliation is when we receive Jesus. The hope of Jesus helps us to overcome all of the trials in our lives. We were all created to have a fulfilled life. And that fulfillment comes through relationship to Jesus. I'm going to pray and we're going to close out this message. And I just want to thank you guys so much for being willing to hear about what God has to say about reconciliation in your life. Dear Lord, I pray for every single person who hears this message, that they would choose to be reconciled to you through a hope and a faith in Jesus Christ, through the um, trauma that he experienced before being crucified for our sins, Lord, that we would receive his crucifixion, his sacrifice for us as a payment for our sins and our shortcomings, that you have chosen us, Lord, and I ask that we be reconciled to you, that we repent from our sinful nature, our broken past, our unhealthy decisions, Lord, and we come to you and we ask that you would make us right. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have in him. Thank you for the gift of peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's in your son's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you just prayed with me, I just want to invite you to comment in the comments section, shoot us a message on Facebook, check out the digital bulletin, and let us know because we want to partner with you in that decision. You're not meant to walk this journey alone.